So I don't know if you noticed on the syllabus, I gave a homework assignment a week early. Anybody notice that? Oh, great. So thank you for doing that a week early. But if you didn't get the homework done, I can, I'll wait, pick it up next week. Um, but if you had it, thank you for those. Salam, I got yours. Like if just thank you for those that did it, but don't feel bad if you didn't because I gave it a week early, okay? Yes, Snip, I got yours. Yeah. So the assignment was on agape love. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll take them if you have them. It was on agape love, and um, actually, Andrew, you want to pick them up? I don't have Sandin tonight. Sandin is in San Diego. Um, it was on agape love and how agape love keeps us from condemning ourselves, right? First John three twenty. So, um, I'd like you to spend some time with that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. But um, condemnation is really a waste of time. Amen. Jesus does not condemn us. So, why should we do that to ourselves, right? There's bona fide guilt, right? Guilt that happens when. Uh, we, oh yeah, you can just lay right there. Thank you. Is, yeah, conviction, another word for conviction, exactly. So bona fide guilt is actually good, but <clears throat> condemnation is uh, really when sin is at the center and we, you know, God never, he never condemns, he convicts. Conviction is really love is turning us. Conviction, uh, condemnation is when, uh, you know, we, are living outside that provision and condemning ourselves and chastising ourselves. So uh, just before I get going um, tonight, we have been speaking a little bit about how God does not look at sin. And we have, I think we spent some time on that. And um, so, and I think we made that clear about the blood of Christ, right? that um, God does not relate to us based on our sin, okay? Everyone remember that? See, I'm already starting the review. <laughs> uh, the blood of Christ, right? It, it cleanses, right? It covers and it uh, purges, right? It makes us new. Uh, but since God is omnipresent and knows everything, he has intellectual knowledge, Okay, but he does not relate to you and I based in our sin, right? Amen to that? How many are excited about that? Yep. So, he does not relate to you or I. He eternally took care of sin, but sin certainly, um, it can cause a lot of trouble. It can cause a lot of pain. It can cause a lot of, uh, just a lot of, uh, you know, destruction. <clears throat> so, but tonight I want to talk, I want to really unpack 1 John chapter 4 and 5. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for our students. Lord, I know schedules are busy, and I just pray that you would just pour your life and your word into the hearts of each student. And tonight, just give clarity and understanding, and um, just thank you for our students, Lord. May, may what we hear be... Uh, just be living and alive and useful uh, just to further the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, last class we talked a little bit about the proofs of what's genuine. And uh, 
So we said the three tests of genuineness are doctrine, obedience, and love. Okay? Doctrine, the person of Christ, obedience, which transforms us to Christ. And most importantly, I shouldn't say most importantly, but I should say what we're going to talk about tonight in detail is love. How love is the living action of what we know. Because all throughout the book of John here, we're seeing this word deception. Okay? This word deception. And and he really, these first three verses in 1 John chapter 4 are really valuable because we're in such a deceptive world where things are not what they seem, right? Uh, Because of revisionism and secularism, definitions are not what they seem. That's why in a conversation, you almost have to set up your definition of terms, right? You ever talk to a Mormon? They'll be your best friend, right? Until you start defining terms, and then you realize they're an angel of light. And uh, we really have uh, more than ever in our church settings, uh, Eastern mysticism. Uh, We have a mix of humanism and paganism. I mean, if you look at some of the trends in Christendom, uh, you know, the the use of candles, the use of chanting, the use of um, just extra biblical uh, resources, they can be demonic, actually. So uh, I want to talk about that, testing every spirit. And maybe you have your own stories in this, but... um, we need to have our eyes wide open uh, because not everyone is a Bible believer. Uh, not everyone is an uh, evangelical fundamentalist, if we could say, someone that draws their truth from the absolute truth. Um, a lot of Christendom is seeker-friendly. They're looking to keep their people. They're looking to attract young people. And they will compromise so that, hey, hey, good to see you. So they will compromise so that uh, people don't get offended. And so that sin, we don't talk about sin. Uh, we're going to just talk about um, the, the, the trends so that people, uh, they, they, they just have like the itching ears and the stimuli. So, but... But actually, uh, when I don't have a Bible open in my church or in my heart or in my personal life, I am weak. Now, weakness is good if it means reliance on Christ, but it is bad when weakness is uh, because of neglect or ignorance, right? Weakness, weakness. So I want to think about that today. Let's read the first couple of verses. Beloved, and by the way, 51 times. Did you count that? 51 times in 1 John, love is mentioned, right? 51 times. So um, John is loving people into change, loving people into truth, loving people, uh, and just really declaring God's love, right? So love is love? No, it's not. Love is truth. Love is God. Love is what God defines love to be. So, uh, you've all heard that statement, if you love me, you would do this. Maybe you've been in a relationship where someone said that statement to you. 
that manipulative statement. Oh, if you loved me, you would do this and that. And No, I love you, therefore I won't do this or that, right? For love is of God, and right? So love is that sacrificial uh, generosity to a person uh, to give them Christ, to serve them Christ. But it's not enabling us to live in the flesh, right? Love, if my love enables somebody else to live in the flesh, then that's not love, right? That's why we speak the truth in love, right? All right, so beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and that every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Okay, so a couple things here. Um, and we see this also. Um, let me give you a couple verses. So 1 John uh, 4, 4. We see this in 1 John uh, 4, 9 and 10. Uh, we also see this in 1 John 3.18. I'm going to give you the proofs or to test, which means to come alongside and compare and compare what is truth. So uh, we see that Jesus coming in the flesh, number one. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, right? John 1.14. Uh, and we see that uh, he was fully God and fully man. He came to this world as a man, laid aside his deity so he could identify with man and to pay for the sins of the world. Okay? So uh, we see that is, that is a proof of the truth. Okay? Just like love, love is the proof of salvation. Right? Yeah, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. All three of these verses, yeah. These are verses that uh, they, they kind of encapsulate what we're talking about. So he came in the flesh. Number two, they hear the voice of God. So Jesus was fully God, fully man, right? John 15, right? They hear my voice. Psalm 29, that is the chapter on the voice of God. So the truth bears witness to the voice of God. And then thirdly, there's the spirit of love. And this word spirit is another word for kingdom. Oops, I just totally started to write the word kingdom. Spirit <laughs> spirit of love, okay? Now let's look at 1 John for a minute. 1 John uh, chapter 4, 9, and 10. Let's look at that for a minute so we can understand that together. In this the love of God was made manifest towards us that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And in this love, not only that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation 
the atonement for our sins, okay? Uh, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's focus on that for a minute. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Would you say that there is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, right? Satan and God, right? Would we say there's two different kingdoms, correct? How many believe that? Okay. It's another word called uh, spiritual warfare. Okay. If we were to pull back the material and see the immaterial, we would see uh, demons and angels warring against the souls of man to distract and to destroy capacities and opportunities for people to respond to the gospel. Okay? So this is why John is saying you have to test the Spirit. Does it reveal Christ and his work of redemption? Does it reflect the voice or truth of what God is saying? And does it have the ministry of love? Okay? Because there's another spirit, a counterfeit spirit, that looks very similar, but it is absent of one of those. It's absent of the truth of who Jesus is. Now, uh, if you look at the world today, it is, uh, it's pretty slippery, actually, right? It's pretty slippery. Because there's things that, and we know that the, the greatest lie is the one that's closest to the truth. Without truth, it is impossible to know what is real and what's not. We're going to go with our perception, and a good verse in Isaiah eleven three, Jesus never judged by the by the eyes or the ears. He had discernment through his Father to discern what spirit he was looking at. That's why when he walked through the Gospels, he discerned demons. He discerned demonic activity. He discerned uh, the needs of people, the real needs of people, right? Now, unfortunately, we're, we're in a very uh, complicated time where people are too busy, and therefore it's very easy. We can get dull, and we can get misled, and we can miss God and the work of God, right? Or we can miss uh, what Satan's doing, and actually... Uh, and uh, like we read in, uh, in Job 41 last class, that we can actually flirt with demonic activity and not define it and not discern it. And it can really be a stronghold, right? So I said last class to some of your shock that can demons cast out demons? And I said, yes, they can. And I want to unpack that tonight. as in, in the comparison of why we see a ministry, a ministry of the believer is also, we see demons being cast out. Now, I personally have not done that excessively. We've done that in the Ukraine, actually, on several occasions. But it was not a circus show that we see on television. And I want to kind of be direct about that. It is, we have to be very careful because this is very real. This is exceptionally real. It is uh, magic, witchcraft, and the demonic realm is, is very real, and it's dangerous for anyone that, that plays with it, okay? 
like the Ouija boards, the seances, the palm reading, any type of things like that, um, they will affect you or me for a lifetime if we do not uh, if we do not do what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, so test every spirit. Okay, so let's. I want to. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture tonight, and I'm, I want you to. Um, I want you to study it on your own, because greater is He. First John four four. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Who is in us? Well, the Holy Spirit, right? God, right? Third person of the Trinity, he's in us. So he's given you and I, when you have truth on the inward parts, Psalm 51, 8, when when the truth is in you, that truth is exceptionally powerful. And you are able to speak and operate in the authority of God and the demons cannot stick around. They cannot, they have no power over you, okay? So this antichrist spirit, this spirit that opposes Christ, look, let me just, 1 Timothy 4.1, let me give you a couple scriptures here. 1 Timothy 4.1, any spirit, any gospel, Galatians 1 talks about it, Verse uh, Galatians 1, 7 and 8, any gospel, right, uh, 7 through 10, that does not have Christ at the center is a gospel that is cursed. And I shouldn't even use the word gospel. I should use the word message. Any message that deifies man, any message that deifies money, any message that deifies uh, man's goodness, any message that deifies anything else except Scripture, it is Cursed. Yes, Salam. Deifies to make it more important than God. Thank you. To make, yeah, to make something more important than God. So I'm not going to be here, I'm not going to talk about other churches tonight, but there are major trends that spend lots of time um, talking about money, talking about the gifts, uh, that talk about, um, in the wrong sense, faith healing healing. There's an imbalance that uh, John is warning us here that can be the doctrine of demons, right? Now, I'm, I'm with you. I believe healing is for today. I believe it, right? And I believe that, that God can do that in his sovereignty, and we're, we're expecting that. But when it becomes an overarching emphasis where I spend three hours, right, in a service and 10 minutes for you know, three hours of show and 10 minutes of Bible, that's demonic. I'm just going to be straight up with you. That is an absolute distraction and an absolute misuse of people's time, right? And that's why the prosperity message is so destructive and and going on and so forth. I'm going to try to behave myself tonight, but this stuff makes me red hot, okay? 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Spirit expressly speaks in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. Spirits that are designed to lead us away from truth, lead us away from Christ, lead us away from the mission of Christ, okay? So just like the military, there is a rank, okay? Demons or the devil are not omnipresent, okay? They, they are a certain number of them. We don't know how many they are. 
but they are ranked, just like angels, right? But they are ranked, okay? So there are commanders. I mean, just read it. Just read um, Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. There's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. I mean, you see three ranking pieces right there. That the devil, his main objective, when someone gets saved, he can't possess them, right? A believer cannot be possessed, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 19. They cannot be possessed because the Holy Spirit dwells in them, Ephesians 1, 13. But they certainly can be oppressed, which means influenced and uh, manipulated because somewhere they have allowed the devil uh, to uh, or demons to uh, an open place, an, an invitation. By the way, demons do not come unless they're invited. The music I listen to, what I watch on the internet, what I watch on TV, the people that I have in my life, people have clinging spirits. Unsaved people, most likely, they, are, they don't even know it. They have demons that are clinging to them. Uh, and this is why our, our initiation to the gospel sets people free. That's why when people get saved a lot of times, there is a, a great release. Why? Because demons are now sent away from them. I'm getting ahead of myself. but uh, So there's doctrines of demons. <clears throat> Let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. And just hear me, and then we can answer questions. I want to kind of develop this. So when you speak the truth, it is going to test the spirit. Notice how Jesus tested spirits by simply speaking his father's message. Like, it's very obvious. Is the root of this, is the root of what we're talking about found in the Bible? And if it's found in the Bible, is it something in, in con? in context and in order of, of uh, God's heart. So 2 Timothy uh, 1, 7, uh, let's look at this for a minute. So doctrine of demons, right? It's a misrepresentation of who God is, right? So, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So the spirit of fear is... Is fear an emotion? Yes, right? But it is a spirit. It is something that can cling, like anxiety and panic. Uh, would I say that person's demon-possessed? No, I would not say that if the person's a believer. But somewhere they have invited the devil and agreed with his lie, and there is oppression. There is a... Uh, there is an... A, an infiltration of some sort where we are changing the truth of God into a lie. All right. Look at this in Revelations 13. Revelations 13. So, uh, again, our Bible, what we know of the Bible is so valuable because in Matthew 4, we know that the demons are addressed by the Bible. <clears throat> and they are defeated by the Bible. So your training here will result in your effectiveness, right? All right. In some places, uh, the demonic activity is very obvious. Like, um, so uh, I mean, I'm, I remember in the Ukraine. I don't know if I've ever did I ever tell you about the story where a little lady, uh, she had to be, a, a, I don't know, five foot 
one or something, and she was throwing couches out her her window in her apartment, and she lived on the fifteenth uh, floor. I mean, I could barely move these these couches, and she was picking them up and throwing them out her window. And the neighbors called us, and because they they know we were a church in the area, and all of her refrigerator the refrigerator door was open, all the canisters were taken off. And me and another pastor, Ukrainian pastor, we walked in, and the in the atmosphere was like very thick. It was very, it was very strange. And this woman, uh, I knew her. We knew her because she just started coming to the church, and uh, and it was just a bizarre situation. And so we immediately began to pray. We immediately began to pray. And then she got quiet, and then we just put our hands on her. We didn't do anything, like, spectacular. We just prayed over her, focused on our, what we were saying, and we began to read scriptures over her. And she fell to the ground, and then when she came back up, she was a different person, and she did not know what was going on. She goes, where's my couch? Why is my house destroyed? She had no idea what was going on. And we, what we did is we, we said, okay, we're going to pray for you, and, and, and you're going to receive Christ. At the, oh, we didn't say you're going to, but we said we are going to lead you in, in, Christ, in the prayer of salvation. And she got saved right there in her living room. And she became part of our church, and she still is today, and she's, doing, she's totally restored. But a lot of times, this is like scary stuff. I don't know about you. Uh, it's not something to play with. I mean, we've met... And you've met, I'm sure, but we. Whenever you go into a new area, there's a confrontation. You disturb demons. We've seen that in Frederick. We've seen that in Wilmington. We have seen that in, in every city we've been in. But particularly, there are demonic activities that that are geographical. So when you go with the truth, there's a confrontation. And not that we're anything, but we are light bearers. We're truth bearers, and we confront simply by going by faith. And there's nothing to be afraid of, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. I remember I was in Philly and I met a bunch of guys that were all gothic and and very like I thought I was going to get beaten. We were out there on the streets with a couple guys and and these these were satanists. We learned later these were satanists. And I, I think we said some statement like, "Oh, why why are you serving a lesser god?" So you know, there was like eight of them, right? So that's not the wisest thing to say. <laughs> I realized that. And seven of them, seven of them just kind of mocked us, but one stayed back. And they said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And we got to present the gospel to this guy. He didn't get saved, but we challenged him. And uh, he, he recognized the authority of God. Okay, so Revelations 13, and I, I'm just saying, there are things in our life that we allow and they hold us back. But there are things that you will come across that need to be addressed, that need to be defined, that need to be spoken to. Now, I'm not saying go out and pray over casting out demons over people. I want to make that crystal clear. You want to have great wisdom. But when you see demonic activity, we don't want to be silent, right? We don't want to be silent. Do you understand what I mean by that? We want to use wisdom and address it. Because John is saying there's an antichrist spirit. And so many people are, are in this place of being captive. So Revelations 13, 2 through 5, notice, notice one of the attributes. Okay? Uh, 13. 
The dragon gave him power, great authority. Is that the verse I wanted? He had great blasphemy of, of speech. Maybe I wrote down the wrong verse. Is that there in 13.5? Hmm. Yeah, which one's that? That's 13. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. Blasphemy, blasphemous name. Okay. Uh, in another translation, it says he has a loud mouth of blasphemy. So maybe you're going to come across uh, people that are just profane and they're blaspheming God, right? Uh, that, is a, that is one of the spirit or characteristics of the Antichrist. Let me, sh- let me look in another place. 2 Thessalonians so as we near the rapture, testing spirits is going to be uh, pretty. It's going to be pretty, pretty obvious. Okay, this message sets people free. This message leads people into bondage. Right. Second um, Thessalonians two. Second Thessalonians two. Three. Um, Okay, yeah, let's read the, okay. Uh, two, two, Second Thessalonians 2, 2, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And I believe we're in that day. We're in that day now. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is all worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. But we know some of these things will be in the tribulation. But notice this. The doctrine of demons, the spirit that is contrary, the Antichrist spirit, is in the world like we just read. Uh, so it's very um, it's very obvious to the one that knows truth. So just like someone that's working with counterfeit money, how do you know counterfeit money? You work with the true money, right? You work with the truth, right? All right, so let me give you some important words here. So the okay, these two words named, named and tamed. Okay, I want you to remember these. Named and tamed. That word tamed. Is there an N in there? I think there's an N in there. Tamed. So the demons want to uh, they want to be something in your life that you get used to. They want to be something that becomes normal, right? Uh, and we said earlier that the spirit is uh, the spirit of demons is one that wants to desensitize us so that we get used to uh, demonic activity and we don't define it and we don't speak to it. Um, so in Acts 19, Acts 19, we see a very dangerous situation, Acts 19, 13 through 16, where someone adjured or tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. But this person had no authority over, it's called the sons of Sceva. Sceva. And this was a group of demons that 
came out of that person onto the person trying to cast them out and ripped them, ripped all their clothes off and beat them. Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? Okay, so in our message, in our activity, uh, the word of God is the only authority over the demonic world. If I try to do it, or you try to do it, uh, and without the authority of God, then it could be very dangerous. So Mark, another good example, Mark 9, 38. Let's look at that verse together, Mark 9, 38. So it's pretty awesome that the words of Christ have power over everything. Amen? So just like we're reading the Bible, it's a living book. We don't have to fear these things, okay? Just like fire is beautiful in the right place, right? (laughs) Outside the right place, it can burn us. So 938. um, Now Jesus answered saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. And Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Okay, so uh, that's an interesting point, and I want to kind of develop that. Let's look at Luke together. Luke. So, my point, Luke 11, my point tonight is when you know the truth, uh, you can discern the lie. 14 through 23. Okay, and you can see this all through the Gospels. Now, again, um, some movements they they make they hit people in the forehead, um, they blow on people, um, they speak in tongues. By the way, tongues is a, is in Acts two thirty eight and many Isaiah twenty eight eleven. Tongues are a national language to further the gospel. Tongues are not used in the church. They're not used in the church. They were designed to uh, preach the gospel to every tribe. So if you got people speaking prayer languages and, and all these things, that's, that's extra biblical. It's extra biblical. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the gift of tongues is the of interpretation of languages. And that's a whole a great topic we can talk about. If you've been in situations where people do that, it's a secondary thing. I don't like rebuke people over it. I mean, if you want to do that, that's between you and God. Just don't distract the meeting. Don't stand up and start speaking languages. Uh, some gibberish, got to buy a Honda, got to buy a Honda, right in the middle of our message. You know what I'm saying? So I mock that. I mock that because it's not right. It's not right. I, I've been in a situation where a preacher was preaching and some let's be kind, somebody stood up and started speaking, interrupted the whole service, and then another person stood up and they, had, they said, I have the interpretation. I'm sitting there going, what on earth is going on? And the person said, you just cursed God in Indonesian. You just cursed God in my language. And the person was from Indonesia. So it's like, it was, a, an, it was an absolute confusing mess. And, uh, and that, the devil loves that. Let's just disrupt the Bible. Let's just disrupt, disrupt truth. All right? And, um, okay. So Luke 11, 
14 through 23. By the way, I've seen tongues in action where someone's given a language they never studied to preach the gospel. I've seen that. Actually, Pastor Stevens had that. He preached in Finnish. He preached several minutes in the Finnish language. Okay? Never studied Finnish in his life. Right? Spoke, spoke the message of the gospel. Um, and maybe you could say that God's given you a language in record time to preach the gospel. I feel like God did that for me with Ukrainian. And I remember certain times when, uh, when literally your brain is so tired because of speaking another language, and then all of a sudden the Lord's just speaking right through you, and you're making total sense, and it's like, it's not you. Right? It's not you, right? Do you know what I'm saying? How many here speak a second language? Yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? All right, let me develop this a couple, let me develop this a little bit. Luke 11. Yeah. Really quick cuz I Okay. No, no. Is it regard to this? Yes. Okay. So um this book keeps mind. It's like um, I've had someone pray over me and say, "Oh, oh, you know, you can get I I didn't believe it in the moment, but it just felt too cool." Like, yeah. He expected me to to be gifted with it and it just felt for it to feel right, so I just never went ahead and said that. But is it possible uh, that that could be demonic too? Yes, it could be. Why? Because Jesus didn't do it. Do you see Jesus doing that? You see Jesus talking a prayer language? I mean, do you see, and I, and I don't want to make a big deal of this, but of course, it's very odd. I've had the same thing. I'm like, I, yeah, it's just, it's just not found in my Bible. If you look at it clearly, it's, uh, and people argue with me all the time about it. It's like, Okay, it's a secondary thing, but if you start to project and prophesy over people and tell them this is what you're going to do, then I, I got, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's like, it's really between that person and God what they're going to do, bearing witness of the Spirit. And some movements get into a lot of trouble because they tar- start to play God. <clears throat> so you have to test the Spirit. Is this the pattern? Remember, remember the things we gave last class. Does it reflect the original? Does it reveal the spirit of the original? Does it have the ministry of the original? Uh, and when we're speaking about the original, is we're speaking about God. Okay, so Luke 11, just very interesting. Um, Luke 11, 14 through 23. I mean, read these, uh, you know, read these uh, messages because Jesus is accused here of casting out demons by the devil, okay? And what a blasphemous statement, because uh, we see that in verse 14. He was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. Now, why did Jesus do this? Jesus did this to give them a sign and to bring credibility to his ministry. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought him a sign from heaven, but he knowing their thoughts said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and the house divided against itself will fall. So he's saying, listen, you're saying I'm the son of God and I'm using the devil, devil's power. So he rebukes them and says, uh, he goes on to say that, listen, (laughs) I'm doing this of my own power, which supersedes every other power. Now, I want to provoke you here uh, because because of the doctrine of demons, 
the devil will cast out lesser ranking demons for a show, for uh, to give authority to wrong doctrine. Okay, he will do that so that the wrong thing is it fools the ignorant people. Okay, I want to give you some verses on that. Luke eleven eighteen. <clears throat> okay, let's Luke eleven eighteen. Let's read that. Oh, I just did read that. If Satan also divides himself, how will a kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. So one of the great characteristics of deception is division. It divides us away from Christ at the center. So someone might say, you got to give more money. You got to have more faith. You got to, you know. And I was watching something recently where it's strange. Like the manifestation of laughter. One church was passing around a bucket and everyone was throwing up in the bucket and they, and they were saying, you're throwing up demons. I mean, it was like, it was like people rolling on the floor and, and people rolling on top of each other and, and strange laughing. That's like a real, that's a real strange thing where the person was talking and then they were overcome with laughter. It was like, I felt the demons through the, through the, through the television. I was like, ready to throw my television out the window. <laughs> Actually, I almost felt like that. Mark 3, Mark 3, this stuff makes me crazy because it, it, kill, it hurts people, doesn't it? I'm sure Andrew, India, right? I'm sure Andrea, India is like, like so, many, so many idols and so many manifestations of this. So can an unbeliever, can a demonic person cast out a demonic person? Yes, they can, to give authority to the wrong thing, to distract, Okay. So Mark 3.26. So when you start to mention the name Jesus, I've said this before in Frederick when we were addressing that Hindu, that Indian Hindu, every time I mention the name Jesus, she stepped backwards. Every time. We don't want you here. We don't, we want to, uh, you're not welcome here. I'm like, we, who's we? You're, we're like, you're one person. It was Pastor Dennis and I, I'm like, we're not going anywhere. And, and we, started, we started using the name Jesus, and, and it was like every step, she was, every, I was like, oh, you like that name? I was like, Jesus. I took steps forward. <laughs> not, not to get funny, but I was, my, all my hair was standing up on my back, yeah. my head too. <laughs> Pastor Dennis is just sitting there laughing. He's like, I love Pastor Dennis. He, he's just sitting there going, just laughing. Yeah, Lennon. There was someone I know who who tried to pray over someone who believed was on the street, but a homeless person. He experienced demonic attack in his family later. Yeah. It needs much prayer before going to the Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've even even in the Ukraine, faith healing is a big thing where people lay hands and put hexes on people. We had a girl in our church that we prayed over because she felt such pressure in her heart for a month after that incident. 
And we just prayed over her, anointed her with oil, and it left. It was like, it's very, um, I don't want to glorify it, but it's real. Okay, so Mark 3.26, look at this. And Lennon brings up an excellent point. Do, do nothing without prayer. I mean, that's, some things do not happen without prayer and fasting, and that's obvious. 3.26, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. No one entering a strong man's house can plunder his goods unless he first binds that strong man, and then he will plunder his house. So when you share the truth, the, the, the strong man will be bound, okay? And he will be, um, he will be removed, okay? Matthew 12, 26. Look at this, Matthew 12, 26. Test every spirit. It's going to be pretty obvious. Is this, a, is this a message based on myself, my performance, my, uh, my money? Um, uh, is this going to be something based on, on, on any type of outward manifestation? It, we have to test that spirit. And that's why the legalist gets angry at grace. That's why the religious person gets angry at mercy. You guys keep talking about grace, and we say, absolutely. That's why Satan hates grace, right? Matthew 12, 26, look at this. Kind of taking some extra time, right? It says, okay, same thing. It goes into this. Uh, okay, Matthew 7, 22. That's the verse I want. Matthew 7, 22. This is a very interesting verse. This will provoke you. 21, 721, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, you have to remember the kingdom of heaven is speaking of the millennial reign, okay? It's speaking of the millennial reign. Uh, and that's, a, that's an important point there. In some people often mix these uh, verses, kingdom of heaven, to uh parallel with heaven, right? The whoremonger, the idolatrous, the, the unbelieving, they will not have a place in the kingdom of heaven or they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That is speaking of the millennial reign. So some people say, if someone lives and they're saved and they live in habitual sin, will they lose their salvation? The answer is no. They will have, an, they will have the, the proof of salvation is love, but also another proof is discipline. They will have discipline in their life, right? There'll be a vexation of spirit, okay? And we've talked about that, and not in any way should we live or condone those things, but there will be great loss of reward, and they will not be able to reign in the kingdom of God, which is speaking of the millennial, that city coming down, they will not be the authority to reign. They'll be in heaven, but they'll have a lesser reward. That's not my point, though. But look what 21 says. Uh, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I have, I have prophesied in your name. I've cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Whoa. Okay. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. So why is this? This is scary, right? This is scary because uh, the name of Jesus is, is the most authoritative name that we have. Um, the verse I'm looking for, and I can't seem to find it, is um, 
when someone has demons cast out of them and their, their heart is, is clean but empty. And then seven more demons come back and fill their heart. Okay? So the difference between demons casting out demons is it's temporary. The difference between a believer casting out demons and the person getting saved, it's permanent. Okay, that, that's an important point. Mary of Magdalene, right? She, how many demons did she have? Many. Okay, many. What was the difference? She was delivered, saved, and filled. The unbeliever is empty, right? They, they, they may have things cast out, but it'll come right back in. It's temporary. That's why in these shows where if it's a demonic ailment, and not all sin is demonic. I want to make that crystal clear, right? Not all sin is demonic, but some is. And unless there's a salvation and a filling, uh, it, it, will not be, it will not stand, okay? So you have magic, sorcery, and wizardry, okay? There's magic in the church. Can you believe it? Magic in the church. Eastern mysticism in the church. Chanting in the church. Trances in the church. I mean, you're like, where is that? Uh, this happens. So John is saying, listen, if your message is a message of truth, it'll be a message of love, right? But it'll also be something that uh, is, is powerful, okay? Uh, here it is. Matthew 12. Here's the verse. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Okay, that's the verse I was looking for. And also 22 through 28. So let's say you come across someone that is strange or awkward or just, you know, they are just out of the ordinary. Okay? Just make the center of your conversation. Christ and the word, and they will either run from you, right? Or they will uh, be set free. All right, so let me just give you a couple points. How you doing? You all right? You with me? Mm -hmm. Is this interesting? Yeah. Okay. So number one, the, the, the demonic message will promote confusion, It'll promote a false teaching. And it'll bring attention to something other than Christ. Promotes confusion. Promotes false teaching. Well, we don't need the Bible. We got the Book of Mormon. Demonic. Okay? I'm a little strong with this because... We can be a little bit like too nice about this. Right. We want to be very kind to people, but we we don't want to be naive. I'm sorry, can you say those three things again? So it promotes confusion, it promotes false teaching, and it brings attention to something outside of Christ. Have you noticed when we get ready to go to church or a new believer comes and <clears throat> Maybe someone, I see this a lot with baptism. People get baptized and then all hell comes against them, right? What is that? The devil, right? We see John 10, 10, 
that the devil is trying to kill, rob, and destroy. But Christ says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So when a new person comes into your church, a new convert, we want to spend time with them, pray over them, uh, make sure that we are there to help them and so that they are not led away. Because remember, the believer cannot be possessed. For, I just said that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is a good verse. Okay, And then let's look at James 2.19 for a minute. The believer cannot be possessed. It can be oppressed. So if someone tells you you're possessed by the demon, I remember one wackadoo, and, I, and that's, a, that's about the best word I could say. Um, they looked at this girl's eyes and, look, you got a demon because your eyes are weird. I'm like, you're weird. No, because it was like the lack of discernment. Because this poor girl, she was a believer, you know, she was just going through a difficult time and, and she had dark eyes and she had mascara on and whatever. And it was like, oh, you got a demon. You know, in, in our in our history, and this is not our finest moment, we would not we and the American people, I'm saying, in the colonies, they were burning people alive. They were burning people. Because they thought they had a witch. They were witches. Okay? And Salem, right? Salem, New Hampshire. I grew up around there. Okay? You can still feel it, right? Uh, without the Bible, we are blind as a bat. We, we just were guessing, right? James 2.19. Were they witches? I don't know. I would say a lot of them maybe weren't. But the church was overzealous. And that was a strange time. I'll just put it that way. James 2.19, is that the right? 2.19, I've spent a lot of time on this, but I think it's valuable. 2.19, it says, uh, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe the word of God? They do. They are masters at misquoting the Bible. Masters. Right? What happened to Eve? She did not discern what the devil said because the devil twisted what God says. This is why it's so valuable that you know chapter and verse, that you know the Bible. I'm not saying verbatim, but close to it. You know word for word. Because when it's general, there's room for deception. When it's precise, there's no wiggle room. Jesus is the Son of God, period. Oh, he was a good man. He was a prophet. He was a good man. No, no, no. He was the son of God. Oh, you know, no, no. Son of God, period, right? Oh, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, there's like a hundred references, and you, we can memorize a few. And, and that's why I don't spend time with the Jehovah Witnesses. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't spend time with them a lot. I'm like, if you want to listen to what I have to say, then we can have a conversation, right? I met a, I met a Mormon in Utah, and the guy was weird. I know this is being recorded, so I'm sorry. This is like the guy, the guy was like an angel of light. His his eyes were like shining. I'm like, what are you? Like, I, I just was so freaked out. I just started speaking the Bible to him and and uh, oh, you're such a he... <laughs> Oh man, this guy was so weird. <laughs> He's like, yes, brother. I said, stop calling me brother. And I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not like a, a rude person. But the, you could just feel the demons come out of this guy. So anyway, oh, P 
People need the Lord, amen? People need the, people need the Bible, right? People need the Bible. All right, maybe I've offended some of you tonight. That's good. You need to be offended. No. Yeah. Okay, let's turn back to 1 John. So, so when we come across <clears throat> demonic activity, we just, we greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We want to have our focus, be laser focused on, on the truth. Okay? And we're going to break here. We need to actually break. Um, so, uh, what do I want to say? Okay, they want to be named and tamed. So this is interesting. We read this in Job 41. Will we uh, put the demon on a leash and, can, and try to manipulate it? We want to name them in this sense where we recognize it and then letting the Holy Spirit address whatever spirit's going on, right? John 9 is a good... A good ver- John, let's look at John 9. This is good. This is another example. This is great. John chapter 9. This is why, this is what burdens me. Churches are emptying, right, in some cases. People are disillusioned. Why? Because you got some... You got somebody that's waving a rainbow flag and and trying to be social this and social that. And there's no Bible. There's no Christ center. There's a a word we see when the glory of God departs, you should just write Ichabod over these churches. The glory of God is departed. Why? Because without a Bible, without the Holy Spirit ministry, it's just a social club and it's a magnet to progressive liberals. And, and, and we want to love everybody, but I, don't, I'm not, I have no tolerance to um, making Christ a hipster Jesus. I just want a hipster Jesus. I want him to be hip, right? Got earrings and whatever. I'm not, I'm not against earrings, but it's just so worldly and cosmic that, um, that we want to just bring people back to the center. Okay, notice this. Here is a good example. John 9, 3. John 9, 2. Now, look at this. This is very interesting. And this is it. This is, these are believers. I'm sorry I'm kind of going without the break. If you need to take a break. Are you okay? Yeah. No, you're not okay? Okay. You can take a break. I'll, I'll take a break. Excuse me. I'll take a break. Look at this verse. What? John 9, 2. I'll take a break after this verse. And his disciples asked, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Right? Amazing. Okay, let's take a break. Lord, thank you for these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you've been very gracious. Sorry to go long. All right, if you have any questions, if you have any questions, we can talk. But let's take a little bit of a break. Hey, everybody, come right back in. Hey. How you doing? You all right? Salam, Andrew, you guys okay? All right. Hey, let's let me let me just let me say one or two more quick things. Uh, cuz I don't want to give the impression that like we're we're like spiritual rambos or anything like that. I don't want to give that impression because that could be that, that's not what we're saying. 
But I remember here in Baltimore, we're at worship and the person is crying and screaming in the church. Now picture that. We walked over to her and she's shaking. We bring her out into the lobby and we pray with her. And literally, literally after we prayed, she settled down and we learned her story. But let let me be honest, prayer and fasting, okay? Very, very important. Um, Witnessing on the streets. um, I mean, Tim was just telling me some encounters in California. It's very blatant where the geographical demons will, uh, will be the ones to meet you. Like Jesus met the man in the tombs, spoke to him, and he was delivered. Okay, I'm thinking of another situation where a, a family in our church, the mom calls me up and says, uh, my daughter has night terrors, and they're, they're violent. I walked over, went over with another pastor. We prayed. I said, what's going on in the house? Because demonic activity does not happen unless it's invited. Come to find out the father's into horror and other things. He invited the demons, and they're demons. Um, some people like horror. People, some people, that's, de- uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's demonic. I'm sorry to say it. I'm not sorry to say it. But it is like our base nature is attracted to those things. And it's like, so I went over the house and I said, uh, what's going on? So the father was into horror and other things. And I, I said, I said, you, I addressed the father. I said, I'm going to ask you to stop, to, to stop that and, and see how this changes in, in a week. And, uh, and it got to a point where this young girl, she was a teenager, was, was having night terrors and walking in her sleep. And she said, to, she said later, she said, whatever voice inside of me was saying, take a, take a knife out and cut yourself. I was like, so this was a very severe situation that turned around once the portal, I call it a portal, for demonic activity was closed. Yes, Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe inviting, I don't know that people necessarily invite demons as much as they're just empty because this is just what they're doing with all the time. Okay, great point. So an unbeliever, absolutely. I'm referring to a believer, for sure. Like conjuring, okay, just like you're in the African jungle, banging the drum and calling out names like Pokemon. That's another one. Pokemon, if you study Pokemon, a lot of those names refer to demons, actually. My son's had these Pokemon cards. I'm reading them going... Oh my gosh, we're gonna get rid of these things, you know, with charming, charming, charmanger, and and uh, but yes. So Zoe brings up a great point. So if you're unsaved, you don't know any better, okay? You don't know any better. But if you're saved and you flirt with the world, then you're actually inviting them to. You get desensitized. You get demoralized. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon. Quick example to answer. Yeah, that. please. So um, I I was doing missions in Colombia. And this young man, about 14 years old, pulled me to the side and he was weeping. He started to confess to me what he was going through. He said that um, he had an addiction to pornography since he was really young. So he's been 20, 16, 14, and he's telling me this. 
He said that his biological father walked uh, by his room one day, and there was a demon sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. And and his father doesn't really understand. You know, he's he's not equipped to handle this. He's not really like he doesn't. Really, he's like a a, a a cultural Catholic or something. So he tries to address the demon, like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Get out of here!" And the demon said to him, said, "Nope, because I have authority here because your son." Gave me authority through the pornography, yep. and literally told like told him this, and I and I know this was true. This, this he was given that the authority of the demon had authority to be there because of the pornography, but it wasn't like the kid was watching pornography to try to invite a demon. But yeah, he gave access to the demon. Yeah, maybe that's a better way of saying it. So, um, yeah, that's a great way of saying it. Actually, same thing with. Um, uh, Music, how music is exceptionally powerful, right? I remember when I was weight training, the, de- depending on what music I listened to, I could lift a lot more weight based on the music I was listening to. And I wish I could say that it was good music I was listening to, but it wasn't. <laughs> but it was weird. It was like, it was like, it's very powerful. Yeah. Okay, yes, Bo, real quick, because I, I love you. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Because we could we could really open this up. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, I like it because this is not meant for you to be introspective, but it's meant for us to say if there's areas in our life where there are secret sin, uh, personal sin, that that if they're left unchecked and un, and not dealt with, they can become a stronghold and they can literally uh, invite other problems and compound guilt, shame, and fear. So... Bo brings up a good point. Let this be in a place where it's like, okay, I want to be aware. It's a jungle out there. We're in a very distract, distraction-oriented way um, where a lot of demonic activity is unchecked. It's un- just unchecked. It's like, oh, that's normal life. Is it? Is it normal? Right? Is it normal? Like a 14-year-old brings a, a loaded gun to a school. Is that normal? It's not normal. That is definitely supernatural that just happened in parkville two days ago is it normal somebody goes to a school and shoots up a bunch of kids is that normal it's like we have the manifestation of darkness and you and i have the authority with god through prayer prayer addresses the supernatural fasting prepares us isaiah 58 very interesting chapter Okay. A, lot of, a lot of times, and I know this in my life, I just said this to my wife, I can be dull. I can just be dull. I can kind of be like a blunt, blunt instrument. And then through fasting, we kind of tune into God. Worship, very important. Worship. Why do we have worship in our school, uh, in our church? It prepares someone to hear the word. And this is where transformation happens. So in that worship service where the girl was shaking and screaming and weeping uncontrollably, it was like, 
there is a, like, if it's all worship, worship doesn't bring me to a confrontation. The word brings me to a confrontation where I have to make a decision, right? I have to make a decision. I like what, what Brandon just said. You have no authority here. Devil, you have no authority. And things like pornography, things like gambling, drinking, all the lust patterns, they, they are supernatural attachments that war against our soul. And that's why uh, together, being accountable and receiving the word, we can have victory. We really can. All right. Boy, I'd love to keep talking about this. Make sense? Are we, are we making sense with this? How many are encouraged by that? Just a few of you? Okay. It's kind of sobering. All right, let's look at 1 John. Okay, Errol brings up a great point, and I'll let you read this. 1 Corinthians 14, 10 through 16, Paul is saying, I'd rather speak a few words with understanding than many words with no understanding, All right? Very good guideline there to our words. By the way, if you're in a meeting and it gets weird, just get out, just walk out, just get out of Dodge, just get out of there. If you, you know, I think Pastor Trevelli gives a lot of great illustrations in Africa, but, and I'm not picking on Africa tonight, <laughs> forgive me if you're from Africa listening to this, but it's like when there's no doctrine, it, it can really get dicey, right? But it's amazing when, like I remember I came from a prayer meeting and I was driving to Dunkin' Donuts afterwards, and it was late at night, and I was pulling into this parking lot, and this guy, I don't know where he came from, he came right up to my face, and he said, I'm going to kill you. I was like, where did you come from? And it freaked me out. I'm like, I just get out of my car. I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts. This was a few years ago. And I thought to myself, I just spent all this time with a group, beautiful group of believers, and now I'm going out into the, into the world to get a, you know, Daily life, getting a cup of coffee, and a demon met me right there in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. It's like when you're with God, when you have the word in you, you will be recognized by the demonic world. You will. You will be. Because the demonic world sees things in light, right? And if you're walking in the light, walking in the spirit, you will be uh, someone that is very... um, Obvious to the world, right? All very obvious. And and I'll never forget that guy. He was really... Oh, I remember this too. I'm starting to remember stories now. I was with another pastor in the Ukraine. We were driving here in America at a convention. And we're taking this turn. We had to stop. We had to literally stop in the road to take a 90-degree left-hand turn. And I look in my rearview mirror and I see this huge SUV. And the way the road was, okay, we're on this road, okay, and it's going two ways, right? And then I had a 90-degree turn, and this was all like, this was all like embankment. And here we were, it was my wife and I and a Ukrainian pastor, and this is here in America. And this SUV was coming, it had to be doing 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, and it was a, it was a side road. And I looked up and I said, you know how you see things and it's like you have no time to respond? I just said, Jesus. I was like, Jesus. And I'll, it had to be an angel. No joke. This guy went up on the embankment on two wheels. I'm not, even, I'm not even making this up. Not that I make things up. But this guy was literally on two wheels and was bouncing. And he landed 
I don't even know how he did this. And he kept going. <laughs> I mean, if he hit us, we would have been dead. We would have been souffle. We would have been pancakes. I, that's all I could say. Jesus. And I, because you look up in your rear view and it's like, this, this guy was barreling down. Okay. The devil wants to kill you, right? But he does not have the permission to do that. All right. We have to talk about love. How many would like to talk about love? <laughs> that was a great transition. <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm so encouraged. It's not if, it's when. And when, when it happens, we just speak the authority of truth in love, right? And we don't have to be afraid because it's Jesus that's doing. It's Jesus, right? It's not like we look under the rocks and try to look for something. But we're prayerful. We're worshipful. And we know the word. This, I guess maybe that's my exhortation. Know your Bible. Otherwise, um, we'll have no power. Okay. So 1 John 4. All right. So verse 7. Let me just give you some uh, important, uh, important points here. Um, again, he is saying here in verse 7 that those who are love are born of God, know God. Those that do not know love... Uh, do not know God, for God is love. He is the epitome. He is the entirety of love. Okay? Again, this was the love of God was manifest towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We've read these verses, okay? Uh, beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Okay? Abide in love, verse 13, right? Continue, abide, love one another. Verse 12. Um, we see this. We see these beautiful words here through verse 15. Uh, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So he's saying here that because of the spirit of love that we've received, we will have the ministry of love to people. And there is no fear in love. And I like, I like to do this with, Fear. Um, because fear is a spirit, and we've all experienced that. And that's why we cast our cares unto the Lord, right? Second Peter 5, 17. Casting. Casting. That's very important. Okay. But fear, I like to do this as a way to help us remember it's false evidence. Evidence. Gosh appearing real, okay? Fear, false evidences appearing real. Uh, this is a real issue today. It's a real issue every day. But I have, in counseling, I think I talk about this every day, fear. It's a spirit. It's something that can come over somebody, and it's real. And we've all had it. I've had it where, for whatever reason, um, uh, there is like this panic or anxiety that takes over. And he is saying perfect love casts out fear. And he kind of gives um, he kind of gives this beautiful uh, demonstration here from verse 17 through 20, 17 through 20. And he's talking about the security of love, the security of love. So when the emotions go out of control and your mind gets racing and you're like, what's going to happen? 
you know, you know, this whole, remember fear is very interesting. Fear is, okay, here's a couple things about fear. It's my situation void of God. Okay. It's an over uh, focus of my situation without God. Okay. And number two, it promotes worst scenario. It promotes worst case scenario. And it's a false evidence. And I always tell people, if you fear something, write it down. Just get it out of your head. Write it down. I fear that I'm not going to have a good future. Let's say a young person might say. I fear that I might uh, be homeless. Just write down your fear on a piece of paper. Look at it and find verses that can address that fear. Okay? I feel like it'll say someone might say, I fear that I'll be homeless. I'll lose everything. Okay? And then you can find scripture that, that gives the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ casts out all fear. Because it is false. It's false. Fear is a lie. Okay? If you get anything out of this class, that's fear is a lie. And I'm talking about the wrong kind of fear. The fear of God is honor and beautiful. But fear, right? Oh, I don't know what that person's going to think of me, or I don't know. Um, am I whatever, fill in the blank. Like someone might say, am I going to be a good husband or am I going to be a good wife? Or um, uh, am I, I going to fear that I'll miss the call of God? Write it down, find verses, and bring, bring clarity to God's mind, right? So let me give you a couple of interesting verses here. 17, 18, 19, and 20, okay? So, we want to embrace God's love, okay? Embrace it. Embrace God's love. Do you remember the tree? Remember that little example I did that went for meditation? You put the word, let's say, love, and you branch out with different characteristics of it. This helps me kind of dissect a word. So, embrace. It means I am bringing this close to me. If you're under spiritual warfare, which if you're, an, if you're a spirit-filled believer, you are under attack in, in that sense. If you're, the devil only attacks people that have um, you know, real influence. But um, if you don't have trouble, you're already in trouble, right? That, that quote. But if you're in trouble, it means typically you're going the right direction. So embracing God's love brings security. Right? Brings security. So let's say I have things in my life that are disrupting my emotions. I want to take them to God in prayer. I want to take them to a place where that, they're not just revolving around in my mind. Because fear can magnify. And if I look at it, it gets bigger, 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 bigger. What if my car breaks down? All right. What if my house burns down? Uh, what if I can't pay my mortgage? What if my boss fires me? I mean, these are real things, right? What if they do those things? I hope none of those things happen. But if they do, they have to have God's permission. And therefore, God's permission does not void of God's provision. Right? Right? God's permission is not void of God's provision. Philippians 4.19. So... I'd love to say your life is going to be roses. 
but that it may not be like that. But I will say, we are learning to embrace God. I'm giving authority to God's love in my life. All right? I'm enjoying God's love in verse 18. Let's look at that. I'm enjoying God's love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So do I need a psychotherapist? I mean, I'm not against therapists, but but I had one lady tell us this. She goes, I take my $150 I give to my therapist and I put it in, my, in the offering because I'm getting something in the messages that are setting me free. Okay. Am I for therapists? Sure. I don't want to be like that. But I'm just saying I want to make sure that my balance in the Bible and in the body is right. And if there's... <laughs> If there's uh, complicated issues like uh, for like abuse or other issues that we need navigation through, then yes, we need help, but not at the expense or in the replacement of the Bible, right? right? Yes. The Bible, right? The Bible, 107.20, he sent the word and it heals us, right? Of Psalms. But we're in a really interesting age where everyone has a therapist and a counselor and it's, it's like... Okay, but do you have a Bible? Do you have a relationship with God? These are things that are paramount. All right, I hope you understand what I just said there. Okay, 19. Um, I found these, sometimes these classes can be kind of confrontational here, so sorry that if you're being a little bounced around here, I don't, I mean that with great love. We love him because he first loved us. Probably the most important verse right there. We have no idea what love is. I can't even love my wife. I can't even love my kids unless... God is loving me, right? Why? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. That's for that's for sure. Right? Verse 20. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I love that right there. Oh, I love God. And the person is pious and has a great un, unimaginable example of Christ, but they go home and they're they're terrible to their their family or their kids or their neighbor. It's like, wait a minute. You're a liar, actually, because this is one of the most devastating things is when someone acts one way in the church and acts another way in the home. I've counseled more young people because of that, because of the hypocrisy. So we have to be really careful that uh, we're operating in the true love of God. Now, I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but we just can't live a double standard. Okay. so he's saying here, uh, look at this, who he says, is he like? For he who does not love his brother who he can see, how can he love God whom he doesn't see? Right? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must also love his brother. Wow. All right. Any questions so far? How you doing? You all right? Look at your look at your neighbor and say, I love you. In Christ's love. And what does that mean? Tell, tell your neighbor, what does that even mean? It's so funny. When you meet someone for the first time and they say, I love you. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't even know me. It's like kind of an awkward thing, you know? Defined in the Bible. Huh? Defined in the Bible. Amen. It is. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 1 John 5, this is, this is the word I want you to catch, 1 John 5. It is called the law of victory. 
So we're going we're gonna to just touch on this and we'll open it up next class as we start First John, uh, Second John. I want you to think of that word winner, winner, winner. When you love somebody, you are really treating them like a winner, okay? How many people like to win? Even if we have to cheat, right? No, no, no. Patrick, <laughs> in basketball, I'm like the worst person. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you can't, you can't use your, anyway. Okay, winner. I love to win, okay? I wish I won more often. And then, okay, First John 5. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, uh, who begot also loved him and is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. Let's read these together. If we keep his commandments. I said that to my son the other day. You know, you know, I said, I said, my son said, Dad, I love you. And I said, okay, I love you too. Can you take out the trash? He's like, oh, no, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, if you love me, take out the trash. I didn't say it like that, but you know what I'm saying? It's like. It's the same principle. It's like, I love you, God. I love you, God. And it's like, okay, God says, you know, open my book and, and seek me. I'm too busy for you, right? If we love him, we're going to keep his commandments. And they're not grievous, right? They're not burdensome. We just read it here in verse 3. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So when you meet that demonic person, we can say, okay, this person's from another kingdom. Uh, the Lord's going to fight my battle. I'm just going to speak the truth in love and be precise, be precise. This is why a lot of people don't have power because they don't know the Bible precisely. And the Lord will be faithful to give that to you uh, as you hide it in your heart. Okay. Okay, here it is. Whatsoever born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You see that? Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? All right. So let me just give you this. Um, so we have the new birth. Okay, these are some, these are some things that um, we see in the book of Revelation, the word overcomer. Someone who overcomers, overcomes. And we know in Romans 8 that we're more than overcomers, right? Not only have we just won one time, we are consistently winning with God. Isn't that good? Consistently winning. He carries our burdens in verse 3, and we overcome the world, and we have a victorious faith. We just read those. It's amazing. Let me just read these. I just think the Bible speaks for itself in this particular chapter. Let's and he who has come by water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but the water and the blood, and the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Beautiful verse. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, Spirit, water, and the blood. And these three also agree as one. This is one of the greatest uh, places to op, you know, talk about the Trinity and the uh, body, soul, and spirit, the trichotomy of man. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified in his son. Don't you love John? It's all about Jesus. Like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like let's talk about Jesus. 
You know, let's talk, let's set up, let's set up a great big Jesus and then our problems will be smaller, right? He who believes in the Son of God has witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this is life in his Son. He who has the Son has life and who does not have the Son does not have life. That means there's not all these roads to God. Like I had somebody tell me recently that Buddha is a way to God. And I said, you are grossly mistaken, right? If you ever look at other religions, they always have the, another starting point than Christ. Usually it's themselves, right? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know. Don't you love that? Let's say that word. If you, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. No. K-N-O-W. So someone might say, oh, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Well, 1 John 5, 13 says you can know it. Oh, that's too presumptuous. Really? Well, don't you think Christ is able to keep you, save you and keep you? And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So that's not saying that that's contingent on eternal life. It's just that is the walk of faith in victory, victory, victory. Let's say I have something in my life that that is a besetting sin. How do we have victory? Well, we abide in the truth. We abide in the Son. We abide in what he has said. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. I love that. Confidence that we have in him, not me, him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we will ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. And if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that we should pray about it. Uh, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So that opens up another amazing uh, example of the patience of God. But there is, a, there is a, a sin that does lead to death, and there's a sin that doesn't lead to death. We know, verse 18, whosoever is born of God does not sin, okay, habitually, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. And I think that's what Bo is saying. Keeping ourselves like we have an enemy and to be aware, right? Right? We know that the Son of God has come to give us an understanding that we may know what is true. Okay, this is, we're going to close with this. This verse, I found this verse a few years ago and it blessed my socks off, okay? Okay, I, I'm wearing socks, but figuratively here. And we know, notice how many times it says we know, right? We know. Like, let's be confident as believers. Let's be confident. It's like, it's not like, you know, this is something we're, we're, uh, we're guessing about. No, no. This is as real. If we were to pull back the material and look at the immaterial world, our jaws would be on the ground. I mean, it is a very, when you get on your knees to pray, don't you think the devil wants to do everything to disrupt, disrupt that? When you come to church, don't you think the devil's going to, all kinds of distractions. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, Aletheia, 
He is the absolute truth. So we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. How many times do we just say true? Let's, I know we're done here, but let's read this together. I want you to get this verse, okay? Are you with me? Yep. You're amazing. You're winners. You're victorious. Okay? Let's read 20 again. Ready? Let's, let's, let's try our uniform, our unison here. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. What a way to end the book. Right? Are we like Pilate and say, what is truth? No, no, no. This is truth. Oh, I don't believe that. That was written by men. Oh, man, I love that argument, don't you? You know, Shakespeare was written by men, but that's, that is, you know, it's, it's not inspired. You know, it's amazing. Think of it. 1,600 years, 40 different authors. Man could have not written that book without the influence of the Spirit. This is a lie. This is the living word, and it is true. So we're going to close. Uh, just think about that verse. Would you take a few minutes this week and just learn that verse like, and just speak it out loud? I used to have a roommate in Bible college that used to write Bible verses with markers on the wall. That was great until we had to get back our security deposit. That didn't work. We lost our security deposit. Our landlord was like, what are you guys doing in this house? I got verses all over my walls. Anyway, I love, let's just read it again. This is true. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I love that. It's so good.